Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are rolling along in these NBA playoffs. We are looking at our best bets in this video for Friday night, April the 21st. We also have a player props video up for you with some player props in there for you. So make sure to check that out, like and subscribe to that page. Also head to the lines.com. We're throwing up all the picks on the site as well these days. And we have our odds finder tool on there. You can use that to make sure you're getting the best odds available to you on all these bets we're making in the postseason. We are going to roll right into this slate as we're recording on Thursday to get ahead of these lines with you guys nate let's jump into your first best bet from one of these three games on friday night yeah i've been taking the celtics to win but trying to tease it down so i'm going celtics minus one and under 232 and tried to hit that over in that game two it was more high scoring but atlanta just could not come along for the ride and really just looking at it Atlanta's shit just does not work in the playoffs, man. It's like they, they're scoring 103 in their last eight home playoff games. They have 111 or less in all of those. So I was also looking at them going under their total of 111.5 because Boston's defense is no joke. Uh, I mean, they outscored them 64 to 40 in the paint in game two. John Collins looks completely out of rhythm. Clint Capella is a non-factor against the, the size Boston has down there. Trey Young also is is struggling with a 109 offensive rating in the series. He's getting vastly outplayed by Derek White, who, uh, you know, 26 points per game, a 125 offensive rating versus Young's 98. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy how much depth the Celtics have and just how everybody they throw out there is a plus defender and a playmaker. And it's just a tight eight-man rotation where they're just – they can really just dominate. Um, it's a terrible matchup for the Hawks. It's a really lucky draw for the Celtics that they did not get the heat. And we expect them to win the series, whether it's going to be in four or five. Uh, so, I mean, that's obviously the quick case for why they're going to win. The, I mean, but you look at them on the road, and before they got to the finals, they went 7-2 and two against the Eastern Conference. Those games only averaged 210. They had a 107 defensive rating, and they weren't particularly slow either. They were played at a 95 pace. Uh, their last 12 playoff games overall, including the finals, 106 defensive rating. Those games are averaging just 202. Uh, they did go under on the road more often. The one thing that gives you pause is like, well, Boston, like down the stretch, they they blew up. Their defensive rating was 10 points worse on the road. They had all these mental lapses. They did, yes. And then we remember when they just jumped Milwaukee in their second to last road game of the year, just absolutely pummeled them on both ends. Then they held the Sixers to 103, lost that game. But point is, like, I'm pretty comfortable with the under here. Um, and obviously you should be comfortable with the Celtics to win, especially if you're going to tease down the spread. So I think putting the two together is a pretty safe uh, teaser here. Uh, and got to shout out Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year. Cash those futures bets, baby. Yeah, shout out Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, love, love him. Love the floor general. I, I was looking at some of his props when they go on the road here for the for the Celtics. Uh, sort of thinking he's kind of an adult in the room, no matter what for you. And and he's someone that you you definitely trust. I know Missoula trusts him. I know everybody on this team trusts him uh, to be on the floor and and handling things that from from a point guard standpoint at the end of games to kind of keep his guys in check as well. So probably he'll he'll be on the floor. I, I would ask you as as you're talking about your pick, like when you tease it, is is that more because 
you were scared that perhaps there's like an overcoming in the sense that like if the Celtics blow them out again and get like 122 on their own, it's possible that this goes over or what, what's the thinking behind the teaser? Yeah. I mean, it's a combination of that and that the Hawks could just be in the game that right down to the wire that the Celtics are not the same kind of blow you out the building team on the road. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess you might not want to necessarily take full advantage of a, of a team total at that point. Cause the reason I even really ask is, is kind of thinking, well, do we just want to go with the Hawks under minus uh, under one eleven, uh, or excuse me, under one or 12 really to be able to get this. You actually get better odds for that, for them to go under the one twelve, which, which is something to consider as well. I, I think a big part of that is what you were talking about with Derek white, just owning Trey young so far in these two games. And a couple of times when they've played each other and, and the way that Derek white is, has been defending. Um, I, I mean, we, we, everyone talks about Marcus smart a lot, obviously one of defensive player of the year at this point, but like, Derek White is probably their best option to uh, to guard point guards right now. It seems like uh, those slithery, uh, you know, smaller guys like Trey, especially as he's moving his feet super well. He's a much bigger guard, gets blocks, as people in Boston love to talk about. Derek White does get a ton of blocks for guards, uh, especially his size and shorter. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you found a way to bet on the Celtics. I was like, how do I do it? And and I, I agree with you in, in the ways that you're talking about to just continue to, to believe in them, to handle this in a pretty small spread that uh, I don't know that they'll necessarily lose focus. I think they're they're, they're showing that they're on a mission, obviously playing away uh, from home will be a little bit different. So we'll see, but either way, I, I'm going to move on to my first pick here, Nate, which is, uh, unfortunately I'm kind of, uh, fading my Knickerbockers here, uh, in this Cleveland and Knicks game, but I'm just going to take an under on the game total at two eleven and a half, and a half. I'm, we've loved an under in the last game in Cleveland. Maybe the fact that it's still, it's still two at two eleven after we saw a game go 97, you know, what was it? One Oh seven ninety in this last one um, under 200 points is the point here. Maybe it's still at two eleven and a half because one, it's the modern day NBA. And so like nobody uh, that, that works for the books feels comfortable putting out a number that is closer to 200. It's going to be there by the next round of the playoffs. You got to believe like it just keeps getting grindier, if you will, and, and more so as you go on. So um, I would say, you know, the the recent history between these teams is going to trump and the fact that it's the playoffs trumps any sort of numbers that you might look at with the Knicks and the way that they've played at home and scored at home. So in their last 10 games, they are averaging 122 points per game. Um, in that time frame, there's just a litany of teams that either weren't trying or you know, because they were already out of it or or it was at the end of the season, they sat somebody. Um, so let's just look at the games that actually mattered where the Knicks came in and both and the other team came in trying to win. And the, the only really two examples, to be honest, uh, I mean, you could throw the Nuggets out there. They were playing on a Sunday afternoon in the midst of a, a six-game road trip and, and lost that game to the Knicks. Also went under, uh, I would add, by the way. Um, so another team that's trying. But even if you just look at these two Eastern Conference matchups in those last 10 at home, where it was the the uh, Celtics and the Heat that they played, uh, those games averaged 105 to 93. Neither went over. Both teams were trying because the, the the Heat were still trying to you know overtake the Knicks actually for for um, or the the Nets for the sixth seed. Uh, they failed obviously, but they did win that game against the Knicks actually. And then the other one was the Knicks playing uh, the Celtics, and and they won that one one hundred four to ninety three. With I think they were missing one of the Jalen or Jasons. So you know basically if if you're in the situation with the Knicks and you know you have a solid defense and you're able to guard a one on one style of basketball, there's pretty good reason to believe that you're going to be able to do that. So the the other thing I would throw out here is. 
the Knicks uh, in game one had 58 uncontested field goals, which is a lot. Um, they didn't hit very many of them because they still can't really shoot that well outside of a couple guys, as you have continuously said this season. But in the second game, that wasn't even an option for them. They had 44 uncontested field goals. Part of that and the main reason for that was Jalen Brunson's inability to get separation from the much taller Karis Levert, who played a ton more minutes in game two. Uh, in game one, he only played 18. In game two, he got up to 41 minutes because he spent the most amount of time guarding Jalen Brunson only gave up four points to JB in eight minutes that he was the primary defender, which is a lot of time. When I say primary defender, he was lined up against him a lot. They tried to switch him off. It still didn't work. I'll shout out Chetty Osman, who did a decent job, much better than he did in game one, uh, guarding Jalen Brunson, coming off screens and stuff like that. But there was a ton of help on him. He was not going to beat them uh, in that game. And I got to believe that's going to be similar here. It's just if he's not scoring close to 30 and, and J- Julius Randle's still hampered by that ankle, I don't expect them to score very much. But I do think that they can still limit what the uh, what the, the, the Cavs are trying to do as long as Darius Garland's not able to beat the crap out of R.J. Barrett like he did uh, in game two there when he when he was matched up with him, which I'll talk about in player props uh, again here about RJ. But yeah, under 212 in this game, I, I'm definitely hitting that. And, and I feel pretty good that the Knicks offense is going to be stagnant enough to get us there. Yeah, I mean, this is really dovetails with my pick, which is the Cavs to win, because you look at them in wins versus losses. They give up 101. In a win, and they give up 115 in losses. They do not want to play high-scoring games, right? But they do have the superior backcourt. They have the superior one-two punch with Julius Randle hurt. Uh, you know, he admitted now he's his elbow hurts on top of the ankle because he took a hard fall. He's just been awful in this series. I mean, on high volume, too. Like, 37% field goal, 11 turnovers, 5 assists, 88 offensive rating. I talked about how he had that one spike game in uh, January against the Cavs. 8 for 12 from 3, 36 points. He was still a minus 10. The Knicks still lost that game by by 2 because Donnie Mitchell, uh, 8 assists. You know, that's a big difference there. 17 assists in game 2. They're able to play off him. Um, And and Garland, obviously, going from passive to classy. uh, From passy to classy. Yeah, let's do that again. There you go. Goes clean off. Plus 29. And then, yeah, Karis LeVert is the X factor. I mean, I I would think it's obvious. I mean, I guess he's certainly not as good a defender as Isaac Okoro. But why are you playing four on five offensively when you have a fine fifth option to make this a decent offensive team? And, like, he was starting to ramp up towards the end of the regular season. And then all of a sudden he loses favor with Bickerstaff. But, I mean, clearly... He, he can score against this team. He also had 15 in that high-scoring game in March. but I, I And I guess he, yeah, he could contribute more to an over here if, if the Cavs' offense is actually cooking. But like you mentioned, yeah, they switched up their defenses. They were able to limit Brunson. And the fact is just the Knicks don't have anything around Brunson that really scares you. Uh, yeah, I think even if Randall was healthy, this is just a really bad matchup for them uh, against Mobley. Uh, yeah, and when you were going through all these like game by game, here's what the Knicks did. I'll be, I'll just simplify it. Under an eight of their last ten again at home against teams that are above 500. I'm not counting the Brooklyn Nets who are below 500 since the since the trade. So basically, against good teams, they're not really going over. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'll continue to take unders in this series, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cavs here in Game Three. 
I was definitely trying to say it as simply as that, but I thought I'd take the people through it a little bit. What's the point of making this content otherwise? No, but I, I would agree with you uh, as well. I mean, I, look, I'm not ready. I'm definitely not betting against the Knicks to win this game because of how bad I want them to win. I don't need that type of conflict in my life while I'm watching this game on Friday. Um, but but I will say that, yeah, I mean, I, I won't leave everything for the, the RJ Barrett under that I'll go ahead and uh, foreshadow here in the other video because I'll, I'll say a few of the things right now that contribute to this which is um, R.J. Barrett has been absolutely putrid in this series. And I guess he's a little bit better at home. He's one point better per game at home uh, over the course of his career and, and this season as well. So maybe there's something there for that. But his playoffs, the start to his playoff career has been awful, uh, including you know these two games shooting 24% from the field, 12% from three in 32 minutes per game. Like, how, how can you play him 32 minutes if he can't hit the Bronx side of a barn and he's, you know what he, he's, he's continuing to shoot the ball 12 times per game. And, and you're guaranteeing that he's going to miss like eight to 10 of them. Uh, at this point, I don't know that you can keep him in the game that long and that, that will probably help their offense uh, or excuse me, their defense. If he's off the floor, because Emmanuel quickly has been much better at defending Darius Garland uh, this season. And in these first two games, than RJ Barrett, and maybe you get him back out there to try to get some offense for the Knicks who are going to be struggling to find it. So I'm, I'm going to close things out in this video here, Nate, with uh, my second pick for the best bet. And I'm going with a fun one in the Minnesota-Denver game. Uh, and the reason is, is because I, I, I like, you know, the, the obvious thing that you pick here in a game three where a team is down 2-0 is for them to come out hot. So Minnesota, I'm, you know, in the first quarter, uh, I, I'm looking for them to come out strong. So I'm going to add that bet to uh, the Denver money line, which is a, a prop that you can get there on DraftKings at plus 450 for Minnesota to be winning at the end of the first quarter and lose this game uh, when all is said and done. So I, I don't know necessarily about the second quarter. So far, Denver has outscored them by more than 25 points uh, in their last three games in the third quarter. They seem to own that one. And, and, and excuse me, not the last three, the, the prior to that uh, last game. Last game, they let them in. They fell asleep in the third quarter. Prior to that, in the last three games, they had outscored them in the third. Um, but then they pulled it together in the fourth. I think it's actually good that, that Denver pulled it together in the fourth for this bet because I do, do think that allows them to come back out a little bit more lax. I think the sort of scare that the losing by 17 points in the third quarter of this game too, I think the scare that put into them is probably enough, to, you know, was, was something that they took care of in the fourth quarter by then outscoring the, the T-Wolves by 11 uh, to win that game again by nine uh, and, and still feel pretty comfortable, you know, as they come into this one and, and go, okay, well, we're on the road. There's no way I think they come out with the intensity that the, the T-Wolves are going to bring in this one in the first quarter. Both teams were really good in the first quarter during the regular season. The T-Wolves were actually a little bit better. They won the first quarter by an average of two points per game. They were the second highest scoring team in the first quarter. J just whatever that does for you. I know there's a lot of variance there, and, and it's 82-game season. So many different things could have been you know the reasons for a ton of it. But it just at least shows that they have the capability of coming out and putting up 30 in the first quarter and, and actually having the focus to do so. And I do think that they have a chip on their shoulder to come and do that. That's going to be the case anytime you're down 2-0 like this. We just saw it in that Philly uh, game as we were, you know, before we started recording this, Philly and Brooklyn were playing. Brooklyn comes out, brings it to Philly right away. Can't score at the end of the first quarter, but was on pace to, to win that quarter really easily. Um, so I still, I, you know, I'm much better offensive team there in Minnesota anyway than, than in Brooklyn right now. So I think there's a good reason to think that they can win that first quarter, but I definitely don't trust them to hold the lead against Jamal Murray and playoff Jamal Murray specifically. Yeah, I think if you're going to bet this, you should also just bet Minnesota to win the first quarter. It must be even money, right? And yeah. and then hedge it, or I mean, then try to juice it with this extra plus 450. Because I don't know if Denver's going to come back and win the game. Like, I want to see Denver point. 
on the road in the playoffs before Agreed. I make any conclusions. Like clearly they came out like gangbusters with playing the disrespect card and, and crushed at home. I mean, their offense can, can lapse on the road. Their defense certainly lapsed though. Um, so I am looking at over for this game in general at 223. They've gone over in five of their last seven, the Nuggets in the playoffs. And if their defense is going to lapse, like I, I still trust their offense. We're, we're both liking Joker and Murray to continue doing what they're doing. So it makes sense to look at an over here on top of what you're saying here. It does. Yeah. And I, I mean, there was some stuff that we were looking at that was like Minnesota's good at defense at home and they are um but they still give up 116 points per game at home which is what they give up on the road uh as well so they give up a point and a half more uh, on the road than they do at home whatever they're still not that great so i think i think there's gonna be some points there another foreshadow for a guy uh, that i like in player props in terms of jamal murray you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Uh, and just jump right into this first prop, Nate. Yeah, we do know Joel Embiid didn't get kicked out for a crotch kick, though Draymond would have. But yeah, I'm looking at the other MVP center candidate, Joker, uh, to score 23 and a half points. And usually we might talk about assists with Joker, but in playoffs, you do see the scoring go up if the assists go down just by the nature of the game, especially on the road. His usage has been much higher. His last six Road playoff games, 36% usage, getting 27 points per game and 12 boards uh, versus 31% and his last five at home in the playoffs. Still scoring 27 points per game because he's ridiculously efficient. Uh, Rudy Gobert has not bothered him. He's averaging 29 and 11 and 10 in his last 10 regular season against Gobert. That's pretty much exactly what he put up here in game two, 27-9-9. After chilling in game one, look, the Wolves brought it in game two. They were in the game. They're going to bring in even more at home to try to avoid this season ending. Um, and the way they, they're going to play defense, I mean, they limit assists, right? The second fewest assists per game since the All-Star break. So 
that to me says like, all right, Joker, make something happen, and he'll do that soundboard shuffle. He'll do whatever. He'll he'll put Rudy in the in the torture chamber and, and get buckets. Um, and we see that more on the road where the Nuggets are playing less team ball again. Road regular season since the start of February, twenty eight percent usage versus twenty five at home. So twenty three and a half points is the pick here, but thirty four and a half points and rebounds I think is just as good. Eleven rebounds is a pretty easy bet for Joker uh, against a team that has the fourth worst rebounding rate. They've been even worse since the All Star break, and also have the third worst offensive rating at home since the All Star break. Which uh, I don't know what to think of that. I don't understand why there's so much worse at home scoring here, but that would mean more rebounds. Are you trying to indicate that there's uh, something perplexing about this Minnesota Timberwolves team uh, that they just you can't predict what uh, kind of really can't predict when somebody's going to go off on their team? But I, I do agree that Joker is going to take on a huge load here for for the uh, the Nuggets on the road, where really not quite as many players play that well for them as we've seen them struggle, at least defensively. Um, but he knows that he's got to really, you know, there's going to be a, something to putting the team on his back in this game. But I, I also think right now we're seeing playoff Murray do that. And that's why I'm going to just move on to my second pick where I'm talking about Jamal going over 23 and a half points. If that sounds familiar. Uh, I mean, honestly, I was just looking it up to see what it would be for them both to get 25 and parlay that together. And it's plus 400. If you're interested in like, maybe like a quarter of a unit on that, just get some, <laughs> some bigger odds on your money there uh, for both of them to get 25 in a game that I, I think you can expect them to come out and have high usage rates once again. Uh, now in the first two games, I do feel like I don't know what to do with the first one. Jamal was, not really cooking. He was fine in that game and still got over 23 and a half points, which is his prop tonight in that one and played 33 minutes. They probably didn't even need him for all of those, um, which was weird in general that Mike Malone had his, his guys out there at the end, whatever. Uh, more importantly, like this one will probably be closer. I think is what we're both expecting. Uh, one of my fun bets in the first video there, we talk about best bets is for the, the, the T wolves to come out hot and, and keep this and take a lead in the first quarter and the first quarter. And then the, the nuggets to come back and win the game. That also just really like them to win the first quarter, to be honest, and the Timberwolves as they play for their lives. So that's going to keep this game close. Jamal Murray, like it's playoff Murray time, in my opinion. I know we've got a lot of games of him in the uh, bubble, but there's something to Jamal when, when it comes down to big games, like there's playing well in the bubble. And then there's having two 50 point games in a series in the bubble, uh, right? Like that's what he did against Utah, which was insane. Uh, and I think he's got what, like three 50 point games in the playoffs now, which is insane. So uh, yeah, I I'm going to continue to ride with him in his last 10 uh, in the playoffs. He's at 28 points a game in 40 minutes. And that's what he's back to. Now he played 39 uh, as the T will start to come back in that third quarter in game two, they needed him and, and he and both, uh, he and Joker to play a ton more minutes, which is what they're going to get in a game, you know, 40 plus each in a game that's we expect to, you know, be a, a much closer down to the wire, down to the end of the game there, uh, causing them all to play. So uh, there was a little bit of fear in me at first in terms of like maybe Jamal wasn't as good on the road as of late, but that's just these like gross stats that you look at if you just have a very, very, uh, you know, broad lens of like, oh, he hasn't done that well on the road at the end of the season. But in reality, like there was a number of games in there where he didn't even end up playing 30 minutes because they didn't need them. He played nine in one of them and scored two. Um, and it still had a bunch of points in games that they need in getting over 24 or getting over 23 to 24 in this one. So um, I, I do think the usage rate is going to continue to be there for him. 34% in the first two, including 39% in that last game where they were like, sure, go ahead and drop your points here, man. Like we, we know when to give you the ball and let you go. Uh, and I think that'll continue to be the case uh, in this one. 
Yeah, because he's been guarded by the shell of Mike Conley and Ant, who's just completely focusing on offense, and Jaden McDaniels both is true. out, and and Cat is playing out of position. And, yeah, it's just really easy for both these guys to attack and be the kind of one-two punch we saw in the bubble. Yeah, but now that Jamal's back, he's been resting a lot during the regular season, and now, just like Kawhi to an extent, uh, we're seeing him take off in the playoffs, although I don't know. Finally, Kawhi, I guess, did, was unable to – sustained playing every other night and he's just going to sit in a playoff game but neither here nor there bring it up here we are uh looking at the celtics and and ways to bet on Derek white who just you know i still 15 and a half points is where he's at with points i'm actually going to go with the peripheral stats here though five rebounds for plus 115 or eight and a half rebounds and assists uh but not as good odds here i mean it's just minutes right and he's playing 36 minutes per game in this series giving you 25 points, six rebounds, four and a half assists, uh, and outplaying Trey Young pretty badly. Per 36 on the season, he's at 16 points, four and a half rebounds, five assists, so the peripherals are there. Uh, but really, it's it's the matchup with Atlanta that he's thrived in his last four regular season against them, where he's played the whole game, actually. Or, I mean, did he, he, he was pulled early and won that it was the end of the season. But 21 points. Five and a half rebounds, six and a half assists. He has like a 160 offensive rating against this Hawks team. The Hawks, I think, are going to go smaller. More Bogdanovich, less John Collins, who, as I said, is kind of lost out there, right, in this matchup. So if you go smaller than than Missoula, who's already kind of dictating this, is just like, look, I'm just going to put my best guys out there. And that means Derek White and Marcus Smart at the same time and the Jays. And then we'll just rotate our centers because they're both frail and we need to save them. Uh, so, I mean, Al's just old. He's not frail. Uh, so Definitely more guards, more time for white, more rebounding for white. Cause he's got to get down in there. Uh, more scoring in the paint as Atlanta's given up the second most paint paint points on the year and the second most assists at home since the all-star break. So, uh, points, assists, rebounds, it should all be there for white. I mean, he's going to play like 36 minutes again. Then you gotta, you gotta take those peripherals. Big Derek White stands here. Uh, shout out Buffs, University of Colorado. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with the points, to be honest with you, uh, as well. I'm happy to to take some Derek White stuff. I think there's another sort of adult in the room kind of scenario. And I don't want to say that like Marcus Smart is in any way going to be phased out of what Boston does. They're going to rely on him a ton, I'm sure, throughout the playoffs. And there will be games where he's got it and either, you know, Derek White uh, or, you know, Malcolm Brogdon don't and he gets the bulk of the minutes. Uh, but either way, like uh, Derek White is a, is a great bet to continue being out there with minutes when he has to guard Trey Young. He doesn't even have to. Uh, they probably have other guys that could do a good job. He just does the best job uh, as sort of a Trey stopper at this point. So, yeah, I'm here for for anything that indicates Derek White's going to be playing for a while and he's going to pick up some stats along the way. So uh, R.J. Barrett, got to go under. Sorry, my boy. I, I do love R.J. Barrett I, I, more than most Knicks fans, I think. Um, but under 15 and a half points, I'm fading him. Minus 105 on DraftKings. I think that's good odds for him to get under on that. Um, I am going to put a full uh, a half unit on that and then a full unit on the uh, points, rebounds, and assists as well under that at 22 and a half. That's kind of low. I'm not going to be uh, – I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of wish it was closer to 24 and a half, um, and then I'd feel great about it. Um, so maybe you want to do a, 
a little, you know, uh, par- same game parlay with those with a combo, an alt combo. But at any rate, I'm going under with RJ Barrett, and and it's been a rough start to his career. He's hit this prop twice in seven games in the playoffs. Two of them came, uh, both of them came in Atlanta uh, when he was option number two on the team. Had a slightly higher usage rate at that time as well. Um, he either he also he hasn't hit uh, or he only has hit. Excuse me this prop in terms of either the rebounds at points and assists or the the just points four times in 14 career games versus Cleveland. Not a good matchup for him either. Uh, 15 points per game in those 14 career games, four rebounds per game, two assists, all in 32 minutes. He played 32 minutes in the first uh, four games, or excuse me, first two games of this series as well um, in each of those. And uh, I don't know how you can play him for that amount of time if he's going to continue to shoot 24% from the field, 12% from deep uh, in that time frame. And he had a 25% usage rate in those games. So if he's putting up that many shots and missing them uh, at three quarters of them or 90% of them, um, then I don't know how you can keep him on the floor if you need that position to be available for someone to shoot as Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are already getting double teamed pretty much every time they get within 15 feet of the basket, knowing that no one's afraid of RJ Barrett shooting right now and his defense isn't really like doing much anyway it's a little bit better but his offensive rating of 94 over those two games cannot be sustained if the Knicks plan on winning like you gotta you gotta forfeit some some defense and and some toughness that he brings at some point to get the offense so I do think there's something to that but he also really wasn't doing much there in game two in game one he sort of limited air quotes uh, Darius Garland uh, in terms of what he did but Darius Garland's usage rate wasn't close to what it was in game two it was obvious that in between game one and two there was a very clear conversation with Donovan Mitchell and probably a few others that was like Donnie you did fine with your shooting percentages despite putting it up 30 times in game one but like could you get our other all-star worthy point guard involved in this stuff with Darius Garland Um, and then it was just pass pass get Darius Garland involved and killer first half and then it was all over from there and he was just killing roasting rj barrett who is the majority of uh you know a defender on him so all of that is just to say like i don't really believe in rj barrett in the playoffs even at home where he's allegedly better over his career because he scores a, a, a point or so more when he's at home versus on the road in his last 10 at home he's only averaging 16 a game three and a half boards and two and a half assists so he's kind of being phased out of being needed in this offense uh as jalen brunson josh hart in there a lot as well who's going to guarantee get 35 36 minutes if this is a close game so just don't like the the chances for rj and he could easily go under because of a lack of minutes as as much as anything else oh uh, we need more josh hart need more, grind him down get the wins rj terrible tips. take a seat yeah i don't want to hurt my throat anymore but yeah i, <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously not a big fan of rj barrett uh and i mean randall even though he's hurt he's apparently still going to try to put the team on his shoulders and shoot the ball 20 times minimum so just not a ton of usage to go around for him to get these these stats so yeah i'm with the under yeah unfortunately uh i'm hoping i'm wrong maybe i'm counter jinxing the knicks because we're just saying that we don't think they're gonna win in cleveland which you literally did say in our best bets video with your cleveland money line pick so that's all the time we have for you in player props though we are staying super hot i'm very happy to announce that while we've been recording this cam johnson put up a ton of points that got me over my prop from thursday night which i was really worried about when he picked up three quick fouls so we know that we're already doing pretty well on thursday come back and see us as we continue along here and until we see you next happy betting Stop it.